Amen. Amen. Do you have your Bible this morning? Okay, I want you to hold it up like this, pointing at me. Okay, I want you to put your fingers somewhere in the middle, and most likely you're going to end up maybe in Psalms or Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, somewhere around there. I want you to take it and turn to Proverbs chapter 15. Proverbs chapter 15. What a blessing it is today for us to be able to come together, amen? I woke up this morning thinking about you, thinking it was time to get up. And in, in our bedroom, I went, Alexa. You know, if you whisper to Alexa, it'll whisper back. True. I go, Alexa, what time is it? Thinking it's about 6.30, Alexa goes, 3.40. So I woke up this morning with you on my mind. Father, thank you for your word. Open our hearts now. Help it to be good soil. And I would imagine in a crowd this size that uh, there are some good things going on in people's lives and maybe some heartache, perhaps some unknown things that are scary. Lord Jesus, you know all about it. So we're going to ask you to help us today. Minister to us. Thank you for the living word of God. I pray for every Bible preaching church this morning, every pastor in Camden or Preble that's preaching the gospel, Lord, every missionary that's proclaiming the good news, we lift them up to you as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For the next eight weeks, we're gonna step into a series on wisdom. From the book of Proverbs. Actually, we're going to do it seven weeks. Brother Cody's going to be preaching one of those. But we're going to look at wisdom for life. And I don't know about you. It doesn't matter how old we get. We still learn some things. Amen? I'm not much of a mechanic. And most of you know I'm not much of a farmer. But thank the Lord for YouTube. Because what I have found out to be true is if it's happening to me, most likely... It's happened to somebody else. And you can put in the make of your vehicle or mat your motorcycle, and most likely somebody with the very same model has experienced a very similar problem. If you're with me so far, say amen. So what I do is I glean from somebody else who's been there, somebody who is wiser regarding the situation. Um, they say when you're little, your dad's your hero, when you get into your teenage years, you begin to think your dad doesn't know as much as you thought he did. And then when you get a little bit older, you begin to consult your dad and ask for advice. And for many of you, as we have gotten even a little more old, we probably say, man, what, what I give to ask my dad one more time. Wisdom. Well, in the book of Proverbs, Solomon could have had anything, and God gave him wisdom. So here he pins these 31 chapters of things that would help us in this journey called life. And what he does is that he helps us understand in Proverbs 15. I'm trying to pick out some lesser-known Proverbs over the next few weeks. And in Proverbs chapter 15... He helps us understand that our mouths can really reveal one of two things. 
wisdom or folly? If you've, ever, if you've ever said anything that you wish you could take back, say amen. Folks, this is a good therapy session for me this morning. Because how many times have we responded quickly or not been clear in communicating and it's taken the other way and it's hurt somebody or it's just you knew it hurt somebody and you let it fly anyway? But yet the Bible says there is a way to respond to others. I want us to look, first of all, at the first seven verses, Proverbs chapter 15. The Bible says, a soft answer turns away wrath. I want you to circle soft answer. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Circle harsh. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly. So if Solomon says, the tongue of the wise can use knowledge rightly, then the tongue of the fool can misuse knowledge. But the mouth of the fool pours forth foolishness. Verse 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on evil and the good. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A fool despises his father's instruction but he who receives correction is prudent. In the house of the righteous, there's much treasure, but in the revenue of the wicked is trouble. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge, but the heart of the fool does not do so. Solomon helps us understand that our mouths can do two things. They reveal wisdom or folly. Now, when you look at these seven verses, I believe Solomon helps us understand how we are to respond. He begins by saying a soft answer. The word soft there is the word tender. Now, listen to me, men. There is nothing ungodly about being tender at times. Amen? Some of you have not told your wives you love them for quite a while. I want to remind you that Valentine's Day is coming up. Okay, do not blame me for how you're mistreated, okay? And it's an opportunity, isn't it, for us to, to say, honey, I love you. You know, when I was young, married to Renee, I didn't have any problem slipping into the lady section looking at clothes or maybe something special. Boy, now when I'm older, I'm like, give me dark shades and a ball cap. But what, what are you saying, Brother Greg? I want her to know I love her. It would say, well, 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 goodness gracious, preacher, Valentine cards are $7 a piece now. Well, just take her to Walmart and look at one and say, I'd like to get you this. Let's read it together. Amen? Tenderness. Listen, a soft answer oftentimes reveals what's coming from your heart. And folks, I'm telling you, the world can make us hard. The world can make us hard. And I want to ask you, would you rather God mold a heart of clay or chisel a heart of stone? And I think we all would say, God, mold us and make us. Help us to be the men and women you've called us to be. The Bible says, first of all, there's a way that we're, we're to respond. It says, a soft answer turns away wrath. And then there's a comma, but. A harsh word stirs up anger. There's a contrast. 
between gentleness, tenderness, and harshness. And then the Bible even tells us what to say. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge rightly, but the mouth pours forth foolishness. And then in these seven verses, Solomon even tells us and reminds us who's watching. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. He sees everything. And brothers and sisters, listen to me. There's not a word you've ever spoken and a thought you've ever had that God's not aware of. I'm going to tell you, that scares me. I don't know about you. Because I know my heart. And I know things that have raced through my mind. All my hope is in Jesus. Thank God my yesterday is done, gone. The eyes of the Lord. And then he says, who are we to represent? The Bible says in verse 5, a fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. And there's so much more for us to learn. Look at verse 6. In the house of righteousness, there's much treasure. Solomon tells us where riches, true riches, can be found. And then in verse 7, the lips of the wise disperse knowledge. Solomon reminds us who we can pass something on to. That's the good news. But this morning, I want to take us on a little journey that helps us understand that real wisdom will affect how we respond. Here's the, here's, write this down somewhere. How you respond to a given situation sets the tone for what's to come. How you respond to a given situation sets the tone for what follows. So a soft, tender answer turns away wrath. Now this whole theme from Solomon is nothing new because in Scripture, for instance, Proverbs 25, 15, the Bible says, By long forbearance a ruler is persuaded, and a gentle tongue, listen, breaks a bone. Meaning that when we're gentle, oftentimes it will, it will affect, it will, it will get the attention, it will come across the way it's intended to come across. A soft answer, tender, tender-hearted. And brothers and sisters, when you're tender-hearted, you're going to be a grace giver. And what's that mean? Well, we're grace receivers, aren't we, Ken? As believers in Christ, Jesus died on the cross to pay for it all. If you're here this morning and you're a grace receiver, say amen. The Bible calls us to be grace givers. Paul writes these words in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt communication in King James, or no, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification. Edification, edify means to build up. That it might impart grace to the hearer or the one who hears. If my job is to respond in a way that, that shows grace, God will be glorified. But if I feel like my job is to critique every single thing that happens in the world in which I live, critique everything about Mayor Renee, everything about our kids and our grandkids, critique our church to death or your job to death. Folks, listen to me. The crowd will get very thin around you. 
But man, you give me somebody that's, that's willing to just be an encourager. The other day, uh, Thursday, Matthew Link, I didn't even know who it was. Because he pulled in, how, how warm was it Thursday? 40? 30? He pulled in on a motorcycle. And I thought, it's appointed unto day, man to die. Lord, he's going, this guy's going to kill me. He's pulling in here on a motorcycle. He's going to kill me right here in the church parking lot. And he said, hey, Brother Greg. And I said, hello, who am I talking to? Because he had on his helmet, and all I could see was his eyeglasses. And they were sunglasses. And he goes, well, this is Matthew, Matthew Link. Oh, and we had a great visit and a great talk, but that's not where it ended. I said, Matthew, would you be willing to take a picture of me sitting on your motorcycle? Uh, what are you saying, Brother Greg? That's not wisdom for life right there. It's not wisdom. But a grace giver, boy, and that visit encouraged me. A grace giver is when the person leaves the conversation and you've poured into them a little bit. I'm not talking about false, insincere compliments. I'm just saying that when they left the conversation, they were encouraged more than they were before they saw you. Not, oh, here comes Matthew Link. Or, or at the grocery store, there's Erica Green. Or at Walmart, there's Betty Ballinger. Or at, look, I, I could go on and on, you know that. Or at the ball game. I see how some of you grandparents act at these games. Foolish. And I'm right there beside you, ready to roll. No, listen to me. Be a grace giver. Because if you're truly thankful for what Jesus did on Calvary, you will want other people to know him as you know him. I love that. I love the fact that Solomon says that the way we respond really is something, tells something about our heart. John Maxwell said, you cannot always choose what happens to you. Everybody sitting in here today that's going through something, listen to me. You cannot always choose what happens to you, but you can make the decision of how you respond to what happens. Don't give up. Don't give up when things get tough. Don't, don't, don't throw in a towel in the marriage when, when you have a difference of opinion. Don't. Uh, don't think that you've got the worst kids in the world when they don't agree with something you say, and, and don't think that you've got the worst parents in the world when they tell you to do something. Be reminded that the way we respond sets the sail for what's in front of it. But the Bible says, but harsh words stir up anger. Here's the contrast. Uh, if you have a King James Version, I believe it says grievous. That means to cause great sorrow. Don't be someone who uses words that causes great sorrow. Proverbs 15, 18, look over at verse 18. A, wrath, a wrathful man stirs up strife. A wrathful man stirs up strife. I wasn't gonna read the rest of the verse because I'd never heard of allays in New King James. But he who is slow to anger allays contention. Uh, that means putting a place at rest or to be still. Your translation may, may use the word appeaseth, 
appease. Okay? But he who is slow to anger puts things at rest and puts contention at rest. Proverbs 10, verse 12, hatred stirs up strife. Solomon seems to like the phrase stir, stirs up, stirs up, stirs up. You know, the Bible says when we come together that, that we um, fan in the flame, stir up the flame. And when we come together in worship, I believe we encourage each other by stirring one another up, fanning the flame. He says it again in Proverbs 28, verse 5, or 25. He who is proud of heart stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. Again, in Proverbs 29, 22, an angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgression. You look back at verse 1, chapter 15, a soft answer turns away wrath. So how you respond sets the tone for what is to follow. And boy, as parents, do we not have to learn the balance between being soft-spoken and not harsh to our kids and at the same time trying to be a leader and a disciplinarian and uh, helping our kids understand. Um, when our boys, uh, grandsons come to our house, the worst time for them is when it's time to leave because they act like they don't hear what mom and dad's saying. Um, Kobe, I thought uh, we told you to get your shoes on. Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. And as a parent, I'm watching them be very gracious. Are you with me? And I think, I don't remember Fred and Dean giving me six opportunities. But then on the other hand, boy, when there's discipline coming down the pike, that's when I second-guess their parental. Now, is there really a reason that, that he's been in timeout? How many of you remember timeout? What is that? Okay, just for the younger generation here, us baby boomers and older don't remember any of that stuff. Okay? It's, it's a little quiet, a little lonely at the moment. We just say amen to break some ice. We've got to learn how to respond. Don't get bent out of shape when things don't go our way, when somebody hurts you. We'll address that in a little bit. You see, in the Christian life, you'll never regret being kind. You'll never regret being kind. You know, it's like someone getting in trouble. You start lying is when you have to worry because now you're wondering if your story matches up with the last one you just told. But the truth never changes. And you see, when you recognize that God's called us to be different, that God has given you a, a, a spirit of worship and grace, you recognize what Jesus did for you, He's not called us to be the police of everybody in the world and every other church in the world. He's called us to follow him. And as we looked at in First Connection this morning, we're to love the Lord thy God with all our heart, soul, and mind. That's where it begins. That's where it begins. In your Christian life, you'll never regret being kind. And it was at this point in the message that God said, I'm gonna take you a little different direction. 
I want you to turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Because we see in this gospel, this lived out in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a familiar story. The Bible says in verse 1, John 8, Now Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning he came again and he was in the temple. And all the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something to which accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as if he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone first. And again he stooped down. And he wrote on the ground again. Then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience left one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Now let's review it a little bit. They're in the temple. They have brought to Jesus a woman who has been caught in adultery. No mistake, guilty. They bring her into the middle of the group. Jesus is aware of everything that's going on, but stoops down, acting as if he doesn't hear. There's a lot of speculation on what he wrote. The Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote, but you, we can speculate a little bit. Perhaps the first time down, he wrote maybe some general big terms for sins. The second time he kneels, maybe he gets a little more personal. And they begin to see some things that they're doing. You know, sometimes we're harder on people that are doing the very same thing we're doing. But we're harder on them. Hey, folks, listen. Quit trying to fix everybody and try to live obedient to Christ yourself. And I'm telling you, when you and I embrace that mindset, we'll recognize that we answer to the Lord Jesus. And that he can help anybody. And he can turn anything around. Okay? Now, 
It's interesting that in the New Testament, Jesus often heard what people were thinking. Only God can do that, amen? Only God could do that and handle that. Only God could do that this morning for us here, for you here. I mean, Kirk George is thinking, what are we gonna have for dinner? I mean, only, only God can handle that kind of stuff. Or, or, or looking at us and, and, and going through the motions and they're thinking, where was that during the week? You know, God knows us. But yet, Jesus chose to respond in grace because he was going to teach two lessons. One to the religious accusers and one to the woman and one for us. When I think of Jesus' response, I, I see some things. He shows us to think before we respond. He shows us that there can be great damage when we want to publicly humiliate somebody. Jesus never wants to destroy anybody. So she, along with the religious leaders, were literally standing before truth. And he would teach the lesson. The lesson for the religious leaders was, if there's anybody perfect, go ahead and show us how perfect you are. And just in case there was any doubt, Jesus kneels again. And for the woman caught in adultery, she is reminded and taught the lesson that Satan is a liar and Satan is an accuser. And if you're here today and you're, and you're wallowing in sin or maybe there's addiction that you're battling with or, or maybe it's the internet or maybe it's what you're looking at on your phone and you're, and you're thinking nobody knows and, and I'm trying to run from this, let me tell you, Satan will make you think that you have to keep running. But Jesus died on the cross that said, stop the direction you're going, take a look at me and I'll change your life forever. That's the good news. That's the good news. You see, Jesus was teaching her a lesson that your past and your mistakes don't have to control where you go from this moment on. I love that. I can forgive you, Jesus says, and I can set you free. And then he sends her off with a new start. How many of you are grateful for a new start when you gave your life to Christ? And a new purpose and that is to glorify God, and he calls for repentant fruit. What do you mean, Billy Greg? He says, go and sin no more. You see, what we do is we, we think we get right with God when we just cry tears of confession, and we just go out and we're unchanged. I'm telling you, repentance is a changed heart. It's a changed heart, and a changed heart will change your direction. Now, Back to Proverbs 15. There is a theme through Proverbs 15 on the tongue and the lips. And the Bible says, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. He sees everything. You might be thinking this morning, well, Brother Greg, I'm watching the news, and I'm not so convinced there's a God. Brother Greg, I'm watching the news. If there is a God, why doesn't he do something? If there is a God, why doesn't he change things? Folks, be reminded the Bible promises that God sees everything. And by the way, God doesn't have to prove one thing to us. 
of who he is and what he wants to do. But the Bible reassures us that God sees it. So when you see evil, when you see people not responding with a soft answer, uh, when you see a harsh word, um, you know, sometimes, you gotta watch it driving sometimes, right? Because you watch these videos of road rage and something getting out of control and honking. I can remember our old pastor, Brother Betts, uh, many of you remember physically what Brother Charles looked like. He was a short guy, bald-headed. A lot of times in the winter, he'd wear a, a, a hat, a, a derby, thank you, a, an older man's hat, and drove a four-door, you know, and just kind of a, just, just a great man, quiet man. He said one day he pulled up at a stop sign, and the car in front of him was stalled. And the guy behind him started laying on the horn. You've all been in those awkward situations. And Charles said, I'd had enough. He got out of the car, walked back to the guy. And Tim said, sir, if you'll go ahead of me and start their car, I'll sit back here and honk your horn. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Um, Doug, the horn's honking, nobody's moving. I get out of the car. Really? Really? Hey, goofball, really? Hey, what's your name, buddy? Bob Weitzel, I go down to the Baptist church here on the corner. No, we can make things bad sometimes by how we respond. Soft answer turns away wrath. What are you saying, Brother Greg? Listen to me carefully. Don't get offended over everything that's said. We're in a culture, we're in a culture that feels like uh, you're anti-culture, you're anti-anybody if you disagree with what anybody says. But folks, I'm telling you when it comes to the things of God, we've got so much to be thankful for and grace covers a multitude of sin. Verses eight through 12. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Okay, here's what Solomon is doing. He's continuing this theme, God sees everything. Don't you think you've gotta be the one that keeps score of everything? God sees it. The abomination, it's an abomination to the Lord, a sacrifice of the wicked who's playing the game. But the prayer of the upright is his delight, verse nine. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord but he loves him who follows righteousness. Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes his way, and he who hates correction will die. Hell and destruction are before the Lord, so how much more the hearts of the sons of men. A scoffer does not, uh, does not love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. The way of the wicked. And Solomon says, uh, the wicked hate correction. They're unmoved and annoyed by it. Who are you to tell me that Jesus is the only way to get to God? Who are you, me to, who are you to tell me that there's only one way to heaven? Who are you to tell me that this Bible is literally the word of God? I'm, I'm no one other than the messenger. Do 
do you, um, when, if, if, if your family or spouse or friends ask you to go out for dinner, do you have favorite places you like to go? Do we not? Okay, help me, help me, okay? Clint, you never go out? Okay, help me out a little bit. Play along with me, okay? We all have favorite places, do we not? If you give me the option, Renee will know, I'll, I'll call out one or two, and, and she knows what I like. You know why? Because I'm a satisfied customer. If you're here today and you're a Christian, should we not, from the rooftop, proclaim, I'm a satisfied customer in the Lord Jesus Christ? When we get to heaven, there's not going to be a Southern Baptist Convention and there's not going to be a Baptist church on any name, anywhere. It will only be for Christians. You say, Brother Greg, do you believe a Catholic person can go to heaven if they're saved? The same way I believe that a Baptist can go to hell if they're lost. It comes down to knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I love that. But I love the fact that when you look at chapter 15, there's this thing built in that God gives us some instruction that even the Christian can show people Jesus by the way you respond. And I want to do better. And maybe, maybe you do too. So God's children, we rejoice that we're in the loving hand of God. We, we, instead of hating the correction like the, unfoolish, or like the foolish does, we should embrace it. And say, oh God, help me. Okay, I see it. It's me. Help me. Verse 13, a merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of a heart, the spirit is broken. Look at verse 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. He's saying that this is stuff money can't buy. These are things that money will not buy. And I'll close with verse 20. I'll just close with verse 29. We'll jump over there. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. So, he hears the prayer of the righteous. Hebrews 12, 11, Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, after it, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness of, to those who have been trained by it. So I ask you this morning, are you in a position, are you at a place in life where you could use the wisdom of God in how you respond to things? You know, a lot of times, uh, parents, grandparents, our kids will tell us what they're doing or where they're taking the grandkids or, or they're taking another vacation and we act like nobody's supposed to ever have a vacation. Well, where are you going? Again? When really we ought to say, hey, good for you. Good for you. Or you could be like Renee and I say, do you need somebody to drive? You know? I need help in my Christian life and how I respond. When I respond quickly, I mess it up. 
I mess it up. When you wait on the Lord, he'll give you wisdom. And he can even help us with a soft answer. I want you to stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. This message is really, really for the believer, for the Christian. And if you're here and you say, Brother Greg, I, man, I, I, I've, I've blown it before. I bet many of us could raise our hands. If you need, if you need help in how you respond to your spouse, ask God to help you. If you're at a point where you're frustrated and raising a family, ask God to help you. Maybe, maybe we're on the, the golden years of our life and we're, we're, we're scared about so many changes and what we have to do. Ask God to give you peace. Ask God to help you respond well. Wednesday night after church, a young man who's been visiting wanted to talk to me. And on his knees in my office, he asked Christ to come into his heart and forgive him. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's why we give an invitation. We want to make sure you know him. That's why we give an invitation. In a moment, we're going to sing. And if God's dealing with you about making that decision, then he's brought you here today. I'm going to ask you to come. Tim and Cody and myself will be here. We'd love to pray with you this morning. You can settle it. Maybe there's another decision you have as a a believer. Maybe you just want to come and pray. Maybe as a couple you want to come and pray. You feel free to do that. Lord, would you have your way this morning? Would you just have your way in this invitation? Holy Spirit, do what only you do. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's lift our voices. If you need to come, this is your opportunity. Let's sing together. Have thine own way.
Bow your heads, if you will. We want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I, I sense uh, you're dealing with some hearts today. Help us to recognize that there's nobody here that's run too far, that you, you can't find us, that you don't have us, that you can't rescue us. And Lord, I pray for every Christian in this place today that we would live a life that would, would glorify you. And in the midst of not responding well, help us always to recognize forgiveness and grace and ask you to help us. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing one last verse, just as I am. First verse, if nobody comes, but maybe... Maybe God's dealing with your heart, okay? Just as. Just as I am. Torn but that thy blood was shed for me. That thou bidst me come. you for your attention this morning and I want to remind you that this afternoon five o'clock uh, deacons meeting youth gonna meet tonight youth gonna meet tonight at six for the well so uh, young people you come be part of that um, thank you for your faithful giving a record year of giving uh, two ways we do that the offering boxes on your way out or at our website camdencornerofhope.com so thank you for your faithfulness today is bread Sunday you'd like to give one dollar, it helps us restock our food pantry, and we are grateful for that ministry, okay? Let that be the benediction. Find somebody you don't know, give somebody a good welcome, say hello, God bless you, we hope you'll come back and be with us.